I'm going to be sharing from 2 Timothy chapter 2, the first seven verses. 2 Timothy chapter 2, the, the first seven verses. But um, the, 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 the setting is Timothy's discouraged and people are leaving his church. And it could be like he's living in 2020 instead of, you know, 40. <laughs> it could be like fast forward a couple uh, millennia and it's the same story. He's really discouraged because the people he's been ministering to are all dropping like flies. Amen. And in chapter one, Paul says to him, you need to kindle afresh that gift that's in you because it's still in you regardless of how you're feeling. The Holy Spirit is still in there. So you need to fan it back into flame. You need to live from the power and the encounter and the grace of God. So the context is, I know you're disappointed. I know fear's creeping in. I know people are leaving. I know you're discouraged, Timothy. By the way, I'm getting ready to be beheaded, Timothy. If you guys know the context of this whole book, Paul has nothing but encouragement to give awaiting his beheading. Isn't that interesting? And if you get, if you get to the last chapter of this little book, Paul says, Hey, um, everybody abandoned me. <laughs> and Paul, I think is responsible. I can't remember the exact number somewhere around 800 churches because of his missionary journeys were established. And by the time of second Timothy comes around, 90% of them are quitting the faith because of the persecution. And so we think we have problems. How, how would we like to have 700 plus churches saying, Nope, it was a lot easier when we didn't try to follow this Christ. And so Paul's, you know, saying, I kept the faith. I finished the race. I, you know, stayed the course. He's, I fought the good fight. Paul's, Paul's got nothing but encouragement. And so that's the context. And so let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me read it, okay? You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. He has to compete according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive the share of his crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now, isn't that interesting? He's, he's trying to encourage his uh, pastor who's going to take over his church. Now, you know, you know the, the setting is the church of Ephesus, where the apostle John founded the church, and then Paul took the church over 
and then Timothy was the third pastor. You know, I've been to Nazarene churches where, you know, it has the, the pastor pictures on the hall, all the different pastors. Uh, this church, the pastors were John, Paul, and Timothy. How would you like to follow them? Uh, how would you like to pastor a church where Mary, the mother of Jesus, sits on the front row? And if your kids act up, they have to answer to Mary. Can you imagine this church? I mean, you guys get it. It's it's like if you read the book of Ephesians, the church has no weaknesses. Now, when Revelation comes, it's lost its first love, which happens to every good movement, and we're living in the midst of that. But in the beginning days, this is pretty. This is pretty. This is a pretty stout church to be asked to pastor. Are you guys with me? Um, just wave your hand or something if you're with me. So Paul, Paul is trying to encourage Timothy, and if you really look at the context of this, we're looking at five generations of believers. We got grandma, we got mom, we got Timothy, we got the people Timothy's supposed to pour into, and the people they'll pour into. So on one page of the Bible, we're looking at five generations of disciples. And that's key, because unless we're reproducing and multiplying, we're dying. Are you guys with me? Come on. Um, yeah. So, I, let's pick the scriptures apart. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say, follow your feelings. He doesn't say, change your strategy so people quit leaving. He doesn't say, he doesn't say anything except the one thing that needs to be said to every pastor in 2020. There's no way you can be strong unless you get back into the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Get alone in a room with Jesus. Lock yourself in a room and don't come out until you know he's been with you. Get back in the grace, the power, the endowment, the anointing. Get back in the bestowal of Christ himself in you. Come on. Because then it doesn't matter. The circumstances won't speak so loud when Jesus is in you and you realize it again. So he says, therefore, my son, you need to be strong, but the only way it's going to happen is in the chorus, the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? So it's not the book you read. It's not the latest seminar you go to. It's not the church growth conference or the how to be cool, whatever. It's in Christ. Come on. We've got to be in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Are you guys with me on that? Are you guys tracking with me on that? Come on. Okay. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men, to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He, he's addressing here the way to get back out of depression is to get in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. The way to get out of fear, disappointment, come on, the temptation to give up. He says, the only way you're going to do it is to get back in the grace, but the only way you're going to sustain it is to quit trying to disciple everybody. Pastors get discouraged because they don't see the whole congregation following. They never were designed to do that. They're supposed to be the ones that can discern if they're in the grace themselves they can discern the ones who are in the grace also, the faithful men. We're supposed to find the people that are willing to follow us all the way to the cross and die and live like Jesus. We're not supposed to find the ones who are not poor in spirit. Pastors would never be discouraged 
if they were trying to find the few faithful people to pour into instead of trying to pour into everybody that comes in the door. Come on, you guys. Somebody ought to say amen. Somebody ought to wave at me on that. I'm trying to encourage you today in 2020. I know, I know, I know hundreds and hundreds of pastors and hundreds and hundreds of pastors that are discouraged because they see a congregation not responding and they would not be discouraged at all if they could see a few faithful men following exactly what they're doing. Isn't that a good word, you guys? Come on. Okay. Then he brings up three fields. This is interesting because at first glance, they don't go together. He brings up a battlefield, he brings up an athletic field, and he brings up an agricultural field. It's weird. It's like they don't, they don't go together. And so he says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So to me, the battlefield is a is a um it's a it's a metaphor of whose army are you in or who's your commander in chief or whose voice are you listening to if you're in god's army then he should be calling the shots not your circumstances not the people leaving not the people saying things not not your emotions, not your fear. This is what I wrote down, you guys. I have, a, I have an outline. Can you believe this? I actually, look at me, guys. Look at me. You'll be proud of me. <laughs> Dan Bohai did that. Can you believe that? I'm almost being harnessed into being a preacher. Can you believe it? Now, check this out, you guys. I wrote down in the battlefield, the real, the, real, the real emphasis Paul's trying to make is who's my commander in chief or whose voice am I listening to? Now, here's what I wrote down, the things I, I asked God, who, who do I listen to, God? And I wrote down six things. Are you ready? The first thing I wrote down to is I listen to Dan most of the time. Come on. I, I'm in a Hampton Inn because Dan likes Hampton Inns. I drive a Tahoe because Dan likes Tahoes. Come on. I just bought four new flannel shirts because I like flannel shirts and I have to have two sizes smaller. Most of my decisions are Dan. And I said, well, God, that's not good. He goes, nope, it's not. Okay, I'm just being honest with him. I wrote this down yesterday. Then I wrote down, well, who else do I listen to? He goes, well, you listen to me. So I wrote down Jesus, which should be everything we do. Come on. Come on, you guys. Think about your lives right now. Most of what your life is is because of you. It should never be that way. That's why we all have room to grow in righteousness. Come on, we all have we have way to grow in faith. Aren't you glad all of us can grow up? Aren't you glad we haven't arrived? Come on. So I, I wrote down, who is my commander in chief and what voice am I listening to? I wrote down Dan, Jesus, fear, regret, shame, or security. Those are things I wrote down. And those are the voices that I listen to. And then I, then I said, okay, okay, God, I get it. I get the battlefield. I get whose army I'm in. I get who's in charge of my life. Who am I really listening to? But then he brings up this athletic field. But he says, you got to play by the rules. So I thought, okay, what's the purpose of this? He's, then he says, it's what is the rule book or the playbook that you're following to accomplish which voice you're listening to? You get it? 
In other words, you heard somebody give you orders, whether it was your fear, your regrets, your wanting security for yourself, whether it was Jesus, whatever it was, you heard them. Now, what rule book or playbook are you going to follow to accomplish what they said? And this is what I wrote down on those columns. I wrote six things to, to go along with Dan, Jesus, fear, regret, shame, security. Are you with me? The first thing I said is if Dan's calling the shots, who, what's my playbook? Emotions, feelings, what's culturally accepted or makes it less controversial, and what helps me. That's my playbook. Then, if Jesus is calling the shots, what's my playbook? That was easy. The Bible and the Holy Spirit. I wonder what the outcome is going to be if I listen to Jesus. I'm probably going to follow the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen, somebody? Come on. Now, if fear is calling the shots, check this one out. What's my playbook? What rule book am I following? Satan, people's opinions, circumstances. That's if fear is calling the shots. Are you with me? Okay. What if regret is calling the shots? Because we all have regrets. Not one person on this call can't say you look back and you wish you hadn't have done it. Am I right? Come on. Everybody has a regret. Are you guys with me? Does everybody have a regret? We all do. I have regrets, and I'm glad I don't listen to that voice much. But when I do, it's almost immobilizing. Are you guys with me? So what's the rule book? If regret is calling the shots in my life, here's the rule book. You fail to dream. You say, what's the use? Because I never can outlive what I did wrong in the past. And people end up trying to finish their careers instead of stepping out and actually believing that God still can do through them what his word says he can. Because they're living with regret being the loudest voice in their life. Come on. Okay, what if shame, shame was number five. What if shame is calling the shots in my life? What if shame is the commander in chief in the, in the army that I'm living in in that moment in that day? What is the rule book? If shame is your voice that you're listening to, then the rule book is you put up walls because you don't want to be hurt because you're full of shame. Therefore, nothing can get into you and you're trapped in your own walls of what you think is protection, but you're actually in prison to it. And you need people's affirmation constantly. You're constantly looking for people's approval if you're operating from shame, because you never think you're worthy and you never think you live up to being acceptable. And so you're constantly needing people's affirmation. And the end result of the playbook of living from shame is you do whatever it takes to numb the pain take drugs, you look at pornography, you drink, you eat, you gossip, whatever. You do whatever it takes that you think will numb the pain. Not a good picture. Are you guys with me? And then number six, if security is the voice you're listening to, what do you, what do you look at? You, you look at the Wall Street Journal, you look at the stock market, you look at financial planning, you're always looking at your bank balance, you're always looking at the future, you never can live in the moment, you're never at rest. Come on, how many people make decisions listening to the voice of, well, I gotta make sure I'm taken care of. And then the agricultural field. Now this is pretty amazing, listen to this, you guys. To me, this represents 
the battlefield represents who's my commander in chief and whose voice am I listening to? Why am I doing what I'm doing? I'm listening to somebody, right? The, the athletic field is, okay, so now that I've listened to it, what's my rule book? What's my playbook? How am I going to accomplish what I'm listening to? But the farmer is the guy who plows, plants, fertilizes, prays, has patience because of one reason. He's expecting a harvest. So point number three is, what's my harvest? What's the outcome of the voice I'm listening to, the playbook I'm living by, What's the harvest that's going to come out of it? Now, this is very fascinating. You ready for this? If I'm listening to Dan, what's my harvest expectation? If I've been doing emotions, feelings, whatever feels good, whatever the culture accepts, whatever helps me, the bottom line for me, what's my harvest? Lack of peace and never satisfied. I don't want that as a harvest. Are you guys with me? Now, if I'm listening to Jesus... And my playbook is the Bible and the Holy Spirit. What's the harvest? It's people. People get to get, get to meet Jesus. Come on. It's joy. It's peace. It's rest. It's confidence. It's like living a life of dreams. Come on. That's the harvest if we'll just start with Jesus as our voice. That's why he starts the whole passage. Get back in the grace. It's in Christ Jesus. You already have the Holy Spirit. Get it back into flame. Come on. Quit looking out. Start looking to me. He didn't say start looking inward. No. That gets people even more depressed because that's what leads you to listen to regret and shame and fear and security. You start seeing everything that's wrong if you look at you. If you look at him, there's nothing wrong. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm yelling. I'm happy. Come on. So if I follow Jesus as the voice, the harvest of my life is people. Jesus that's in me multiplies in others. And then you have peace and joy and satisfaction and love. Now, if I follow fear and the voice I'm listening to, obviously if I'm following fear is Satan, even though we don't want to admit it, I, I, I can't tell you, listen, listen, I'm not going to expose any pastors. I never will. But I can't tell you the hundreds of pastors that are in fear. And you know why? It's not because they're listening to Jesus. There's not one pastor in fear listening to Jesus. Come on, come on, pastors. Shake your head up and down. Because you don't want to hear what I'm going to say. But I got to be honest with you. That's why, that's why you love me. Because I'm not playing. We get in fear because the playbook is we end up listening to people in Satan more than Jesus. Amen. And what's the harvest? Physical and emotional trauma. It breaks down your emotions. It breaks down your body. And then it's terribly skewed, perverted vision of everything in life. Where you can't see anything for how it really is. That's the harvest of fear. We don't want to go there. Come on, are you guys with me? We do not want to go there. What if regret? is the voice you're listening to? What if that's your commander in chief in the army that you're fighting? What if it's regret? You fail to dream, that's your playbook. What's the use? You throw your hands up and you settle for where you're at because you never think you can get past it. What's the harvest of that? No passion, no vision, boredom, always hoping there's another something you can do. And right now we have a couple thousand pastors quitting the ministry every month. 
I wonder whose voice they're listening to. I'm preaching the truth, you guys. N number five, shame. What if shame? What if, what if your past regrets are leading you to listen to shame? Shame. And the playbook, put up walls. You just need people. You do whatever it takes to numb pain. What is the harvest of listening to shame? Toxic relationships. You get around people that are in the same shame you're in. Come on. If you're abused, you find abusers to hang out with. If you're a druggie, you find druggies to hang out with. Come on. If you're a pervert, you want to do perverted things with perverted people. Come on. Are you with me, church? If, if you're a gossiper, you will never listen to somebody that speaks truth because you feel guilty. So you get around people that like to talk the same way you do. So if shame is leading you to isolate yourself and do whatever it takes to get your pain numbed, then it'll lead to toxic relationships, addictions, and strongholds. That's the harvest. Toxic relationships, addictions, and strongholds. And finally, security. If security is the voice you're listening to, and I don't think any pastor starts off listening to that voice because you wouldn't have picked ministry as your career choice. But I think the farther we go along in ministry, the more that one starts speaking. You guys get it? The farther you go along, then it starts speaking louder because the moment you get out of living in the grace and the power that's in Christ Jesus, now you start worrying about the things in the natural, right? And you don't think, God can take care of you in the future <laughs> like he's taken care of you all along. Am I right? Come on. So if, if investments and financial planning and all that is your playbook, what is the natural outcome? What's the harvest of listening to security as the voice that you're living by? Pride, vanity, self-promotion, and maybe the most difficult to swallow is a false confidence. Isn't that something? I think, I think most of American Christianity lived in a bubble of false confidence until 2020. And we've had kind of a wake up call because now we realize we really have no control. And that's why we probably ought to get back and start by getting in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So we can start listening to Jesus instead of ourselves and all the things that ourselves produce in us. Amen. And I thought you guys that since this is this, this year is what it is. Now I will tell you the flip side of this year. Can I tell you the flip side of this year? I've never seen so much hunger in churches as I've seen in these last eight churches. Amen. I, I, listen, I think this year has been used by God to slice hearts open so wide that if any word comes at all, it just sucks in there. Because of the uncertainty, I think God's used it to open people up and make them more hungry for God to come back in in a new way. Amen? Would you guys agree with that? This year actually is being used by God even though it makes all of us uncomfortable. Amen? So this is what I came up with. To get in the battle, 
and let Jesus be the commander of chief, you have to be born into that army. And so Colossians 1, 13 and 14, you know, he, he brought us out of darkness and let us be brought into his kingdom of glorious light, right? So we're brand new creatures. And so we start off when we get born again, we start off listening to his voice because that's how we even got born again. You get it? But to stay in the relationship, you have to work on it. You have to have a playbook. You have to have a plan. You have to have discipleship. You have to follow some rules. And First Timothy 4, 7 through 9, you know, talks about, you know, physical exercise is good, but you really need spiritual exercise. You really need spiritual training. You really need spiritual discipline. You need to follow some rule books that I've set before you so your faith can increase and not dwindle and fall off the table. Are you with me? And then I wrote down this in Hebrews 6, 9 through 12. If we don't continue in the voice of Jesus and follow his playbook, we end up being in danger of being like that ground that even though the rain comes, it produces nothing but thorns and thistles. We don't want that as our harvest. We want to be such good soil because we follow the right rule book and playbook that when the rain of the spirit, when the rain of the word comes, it produces a harvest. 10, 20, 30, 100 fold, no matter what's going on in anybody else's life. Are you guys with me? Maybe the best way to put this whole teaching in an, in an easy framework, and I'm hoping all you pastors will preach this. That's why I want every pastor to hear this lesson, because it's appropriate for this year. Maybe the easiest way to put a synopsis is this, John 15. You're in the vine because you're already clean because you've been washed by the word. So you're in the army, but what's the next thing he has to do? He has to prune you. That's the training. That's the playbook. That's the rule book. Once you're in, he has to be working on you and you got to work with him. Amen. And what's the outcome? So much fruit bearing that you can't keep track of it. And that makes your father happy. Amen. So remember this, maybe we'll call it field notes. Who knows what you want to call it? You got a battlefield. And the, the whole purpose is who you listening to on the battlefield. Who's your commander in chief. Then you have an athletic field. Come on. You have an athletic field, which means you can't win anything, no matter how trained you are, unless you follow the right rule book, because you have to play by the rules. You can't make up your own. You get it? And then you have an agricultural field, which is for one purpose, a harvest. And if we start right, we'll end right if we continue right. Amen. And so um, this is what I did yesterday. We had an amazing time of discussion yesterday. I And you guys all know this because you're pastors and leaders. And by the way, this is recorded. If you want a recording of this, uh, Melissa will give you the recording. It's easy. You can have the recording. It's also on the Becoming Love Library. But um, what we did yesterday is we commented and we confessed or we spoke to where are we at right now. Are we listening to fear? Are we listening to ourself? Are we listening to shame? Are we listening to regret? Are we listening to security? Are we listening to anything besides Jesus? Because the moment we confess it, it makes it harder for us to stay in the deception. Would you guys agree with that? The moment you speak it out, 
light comes in there, right? That's why Paul's so famous for wanting to, you know, and so is David. You know, if you're redeemed, you should say so. But if you're in trouble, you should say so. Come on. James said, if you're in trouble, confess it. Paul said, you can believe it until the cows come home, but it doesn't come reality until you confess it. So there's something about exposing the things that are keeping us in defeat. Would you agree with that, church? After we've been together on a Zoom for seven months, we ought to be able to trust each other. Now, if everybody on this Zoom call is listening to Jesus and following the Bible and the Holy Spirit, and nothing but revival and harvest is breaking out, then you should say that. Come on. But that if that's not the narrative, we should speak into it so that we can change course. Following Jesus, following Jesus, you, when, you, when you confess and repent, you don't have to go back and start over. You get to pick up right where you're at. I wish you guys knew how profound that is. You, it, he, did, he fulfilled all the seven sacrifices of the old covenant. And one of them was the, the trespass offering. And what that really means is, let's say tomorrow I drive from Nampa to Seattle. And if, if I get all the way to the middle of Washington, about three and a half hours, four hours, so I'm halfway, if my tire blows out, I don't have to get a tow truck to bring me back to Nampa to get it fixed. I can get it fixed right where it blows out so I can continue my journey. That's what the trespass offering means. Aren't you glad that you don't have to go back and live where the regret, the shame, the fear, the security, come on. You don't have to go back there and start. You can start over right here, but it takes a confession. I'm giving you guys some good news. So if you guys want to be honest now, and confess things, and let's just see how the Holy Spirit stirs this up in us, and then maybe we could really have a good season of prayer for one another, to where we could all leave the Zoom call Zooming. Wouldn't that be amazing? What if we all left soaring, listening to the right voice, playing by the right handbook? <laughs>